Talks with Aaron and Polly and their amazing friends. I'm Aaron. I'm Polly. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Still only four people on the podcast today. As it should be. That's right. We maintain <laughs> a zone free of the associate, which must not be named. Indeed. You know, um, last week we had uh, a joke about said associate. Uh, well, no, we had made comments about said associate that he was he was indeed As- fired from the show. And he is. He is indeed fired from the show. Yeah, we wanted to clear up that confusion. Um, There's no there confusion. He's fired from the show. <laughs> yeah. So now you know. So all you Twitter people, start submitting your applications. I think they already have. I'm not sure that we want to fill the position. You know, this is really more – I mean, sure, there was certainly a performance issue that we had to address and conference out the associate who must not be named. No, we're not, we're not filling that position. I finally got some ballroom up in this thing. Yeah, but oh, <laughs> it, it also kind of serves as a reduction in force, you know, and that way we can reinvest that, uh, that, 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 that revenue back into the company. And into our current associates. I'll tell you right now, transition quality just went up 60%. Absolutely. (laughs) I think what we're all actually saying is that we're holding out for Christina Hendricks to submit her application for the show. Oh, yeah. I'm going to motorboat her freaking application. (laughs) I'm just wondering if Kick to the Dice Bags will come out on time now. No. (laughs) (laughs) For those listening, um, (laughs) why wouldn't you be if you – hearing this some people read the transcripts of the podcast you know yeah because you know we had that blurb uh, at the end to order the transcript <laughs> yeah um as an act of pity um you know kind of a a uh what do you, what is that package that you get when you're laid off from a company severance, severance package. package yeah as part of his severance package tim and i have guest starred guest starred on uh kicked in the <laughs> dice bags so uh whenever the hell that episode drops you won't be able to tell it because it won't have many show notes. So you might as well just listen to every episode until you hear our voice. <laughs> That's true. And, jo- and Jonathan didn't really get his pink slip at that point, so he's still kind of happy. Uh, yeah, keep a year off of that true. sometime 2011. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, just wait for the heartbreak at the end of the episode when we break the news to him. Yeah. Poor, <laughs> poor associate who must not be named. Ooh, that's right. Someone did say his name. Is there like a rule against that? Yes. Like a swear jar? He must not be named. The rule is that Eric will fix it in editing. Or I'll just talk <laughs> bad about you. <laughs> Probably the second. Yeah, whichever way is easier. That's right. That is that is the more <laughs> likely outcome. From this point on, if his name's ever mentioned, Aaron will just edit over with him saying, Associate who shall not be named. I'm not so sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure that's a lot of effort. Speaking of things I want to badmouth, um, IGN.com this week, uh, specifically comics.ign.com, released an article basically saying that what comics need nowadays is more events. God, I saw that. Uh, <laughs> to yeah. you, what? IGN comics writer, I say, fuck you. Yeah, I, that was the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. They were saying, you know, uh, comics need more big events that, uh, you know, they're like, yeah, like Secret Invasion you know, and Black and Night. And, like, and I'm like, really? You know, and, and the comment that the writer made was that the event books have more memorable moments than your standard monthly books. 
you know, like everybody remembers when Captain America died. I'd also like to point out that everyone remembers when the ending to Civil War sucked. Yeah. I mean, and that wasn't the only article I read this week about event books. On uh, comic book resources, there was um, there's a, a column called TNA. It's a, a Marvel, ed- you know, um, you know, because they get Marvel editors to actually write for them. I guess because they're not editing the books. Um, yeah. <laughs> so they, you know, every Friday they submit an article, uh, you know, answering questions from folks. And um, this week they were saying that they felt like they had succeeded in breaking up the Marvel Universe into these mini-events um, versus the larger-scale events like Siege. And in response to that, um, I have to say that Fall of the Hulks, World War Hulks, Shadowland, Curse of the Mutants, all of those individual in Shadowland – I already said Shadowland um, – individually have as many tie-ins as Siege – I don't really qualify those as many events just because they don't affect no. everyone in the universe. I agree. Yeah, I, I think many mm. events should count as the number of books as well. Well, and I, you know, you, I, I think a mini event is Thanos imperative. It's one hundred percent contained and within contained. that mini series. But you know, Shadowland. Or this, oh, I'm um, sorry, please. Well, Shadowland wouldn't qualify because it's thirty some books. Mm-hmm. You know, and you've got well, all these gazillion one shots and tying into. I mean, you want to talk about it this week? Thunderbolts. You know, it ties into a regular monthly book that is otherwise in no way connected to the Daredevil universe. Yeah, uh, and you know, Scared Straight, the the two parter mm-hmm. between Thunderbolts and Avengers Academy, that I would consider a mini event. It's a crossover. You know, I, I get that. You know, it's two books. You know, or the crossover with. Dokken and Punisher. No one read it because it sucked. But, you know, <laughs> many events, crossovers. That's what I consider a mini event. Shadowland, Curse of the Mutants. I mean, anything that costs me more than $150 to buy every book in the damn series. Yeah. Not a mini event. Yeah. So Marvel editors wrote this article? Is that what you said, Bob? Uh, yeah, Mar- uh, the, the the second article, which is the one that they said that they had felt they had successfully implemented the mini event structure throughout the how Marvel many, universe. How many uh, misspellings and continuity issues were in just that article? One, did they forget to load <laughs> the images to the article? And it was yeah, not exactly. Continuity. It says Map of Asgard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 you know, I, I don't, I don't think that people actually want larger events. I think what they want is larger monthly books. We for so many times we're 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 doing these maxi series and giant crossover uh, stories, and I think what people would really like is the cool stuff to happen in the monthly book they're reading, as opposed to the monthly book being the book you have to buy in addition to the mini series and all the other one shot tie ins. I know that I would like for my monthly books to matter again. Yeah, I want if something big's going to happen to a character, it should happen in their own book. I agree. And, you know, Fall of the – not Fall, the World War Hulks and actually Fall of the Hulks. Actually, I think Fall of the Hulks was more successful as a mini-event than World War Hulks because Fall of the Hulks was self-contained to Hulk and Incredible Hulk, mm-hmm. whereas World War Hulks branched out into 16 billion tie-ins yeah. and miniseries, you know. Um, and, you know, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the latest Hulk event later on in the uh, episode. Yeah. You know, every time you say Hulk, Paul, all I hear is Red Rocket. 
<laughs> Yum. <laughs> well, you know, Sorry. Wayne was saying that the the important things for a character ought to happen in their own book. And I absolutely agree. Um, and what I find interesting is that this week, Justice Society of America special number one one-shot Kingdom Coming conclusion, which wraps up the Magog character, happens here instead of the Magog book that, that was coming out. Um, this book was by Scott Collins, story and art, and uh, it was one of the most craptastic books I have ever read in my life. 56 pages of original content, and while I enjoyed the art, I couldn't understand what was going on in this book. Nice. This, I am glad I didn't buy it. The story was so was so bad. I mean, there is no introduction to tell you what's going on. So unfortunately, I, I read the uh, uh, Kingdom Coming storyline. You know, I've got the, the three hardbacks on that, which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed Kingdom Coming. Um, but this was awful, and it just made me sad because I want to read a good Justice Society book. This wasn't it. Um, I love Scott Collins, and as for, to my knowledge, this is the first Scott Collins written s- story I've ever read. Um, it was horrible. Horrible. I mean, I'm just going, is it going to get better? In fact, some of the artwork uh, is uninspired. I mean, it looks like it was torn straight out of Stargate SG-1 in terms of uh, uh, technology and whatnot. And I was like, you know, I, am I not supposed to connect this to being a Stargate? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I was very disappointed in this book. Very disappointed in the book. And, and I mean, there are – there is a, a – there are pages and pages in this book where you're just going, I don't know who these people are. I don't understand what's going on. Can't there be a little bit of exposition to to get me there? 56 pages. It was awful. Wow. You know, I picked wow. it up in the shop and was looking at it. And pretty much when I flipped through and saw Magog on so many pages, uh-huh. that's all it took for me to put it back down. Yeah. I didn't buy it on general principle. The book is called Kingdom Coming. Seriously, I couldn't get past the title. Yeah, it's uh, maybe chuckle a little bit. <laughs> well, it was it was awful. It was awful, and you know, hopefully, this means we don't have to see Magog for a good long while. Um, and I, I, somebody needs to sit down with Scott Collins and work with him because I think that he that he's a very talented guy, you know. And again, I love his artwork. Somebody should not have turned him loose on a fifty-six page book without giving him more help. You know, maybe, and again, maybe he needs some inspiration from his brother Phil Collins. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, man. Um, on my heart. Uh, <laughs> but you know, this is what an editor is for. You know, an editor will help guide you in your storytelling and 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 challenge you. And he didn't get that. I, clearly, he didn't get that. I don't understand well, why. Were too busy writing for comic book resources. Clearly, clearly. And you know what's sad is, is that there's actually an accomplished um, editor on this book, Mike Carlin. He's been editing comics for years. Anyway, I was just, I, I was horrified by how bad this book was. Horrified, Paul. Horrified. Horrified. Well, continuing the trend of books that just didn't try, and that the one thing I want to say about the books this week, in general, did anyone feel like? No one was just giving a shit about what they put out this week. 
Oh, you know, I think I enjoyed most everything else I read this week. Really? Yeah. Uh, I, I felt like people just weren't trying this week. <laughs> and speaking of not trying, let's talk about Batman Beyond number four. I want to drop this book so bad. <laughs> I really do. I'm going to finish it out, but what the hell? You, <laughs> nice. You, I'm so glad I dropped it. You finally get to see this issue. The, you know, Dick Grayson, Nightwing, what happened to him, what his history is, why he's not Nightwing anymore. Something that we've, any of the Batman Beyond watchers have always kind of wondered since he's mentioned in uh, Return of the Joker. But, Mm -hmm. wow. Yeah. It it doesn't, this is not, you know, Batman Beyond is on the cover. The costumes in the book, this is not a Batman Beyond book. It literally has nothing of the feel of the Batman Beyond universe. The story of what happened to Dick Grayson, just lame. Absolutely lame. Ah, screw it. I'll spoil it. Dick Grayson was shot by Joker because Batman jumped in front of him and he couldn't see around his cape. (laughs) Yeah, so not only did Joker mess up Tim Drake, which kind of doesn't make sense, seeing as how the Joker died in Return of the Joker, you know, after you know messing up Tim Drake. So I guess this happened before that. Just, it's just kind of weird the way it, it panned out, and the timing of it doesn't really seem to flow with some of the previously established stories. And not only did you know, so Dick Grayson's angry about that apparently, but you know, he has an alibi for for not being the bad guy. And can we spoil the ending? I don't see any reason not to. So Hush, Hush Beyond, pulls off his bandages and reveals that he's Dick Grayson. Who also and looks nothing like the Dick Grayson we saw three or four pages before. So obviously one of them's not the real Dick Grayson, but the payoff just wasn't worth it. No, I mean, I was expecting it to be Jason Todd or something like that, but... N- it doesn't look like the character from earlier on here. It makes me wonder what they're doing here. When I first read it, I'm thinking, did they screw up the editing? Was this supposed to say Damian Wayne or, and they just put the wrong name down? It makes no sense. Well, and the book itself doesn't make sense because the problem with Batman Beyond, this book, and I mentioned it on uh, an article on Ideology of Madness, you know, they announced that they were going to do an ongoing Batman Beyond awesome you know as long as it doesn't have this writer i'm okay with that um but the problem is they've established that the in continuity batman beyond at least from books like batman 700 um is trained by damian wayne not bruce wayne that terry mcginnis is is made batman by damian wayne not bruce wayne in the in the dc continuity but this is definitely bruce wayne in this book not damian wayne yeah. So it doesn't even flow with the stories they have going on in their own universe. You know, and that's the thing. If this is the if this is Bruce Wayne, if this is based off the if TV continuity, the- it's just completely wrong. So here's what I'm going to do. I told everyone that I was going to stay on the book. Right now, as of this moment, live on Funny Books with Aaron and Polly, delete my subscription. Bam, done. <clears throat> Fuck you, Batman Beyond. I stopped at issue four. <laughs> Anybody wants the first four issues? <laughs> Leave a comment <laughs> in the talk back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you know, I, I think it's great when we uh, offer up our shitty comments to our listenership. <laughs> hey, you know what? Sardell actually wanted Ultimate Avengers Volume 3, Number 1, so he got it. <laughs> so if, if you want shitty books, <laughs> we have them. <laughs> Aaron, does this mean I'm a trendsetter? I, I think it does. Yes. I think it does. If you so want, Jonathan made us read Marvel, and Tim made us angry. If if you want the <sighs> shittiest books that comics have to offer, get with Paul. <laughs> yeah. It's like coming to America. When you think of garbage, think of me. <laughs> I already do. Buy with Paul's money. Let him know. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Don't buy shitty books with my money. I do enough of that. (laughs) 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 A book that I didn't hate, though, was Green Lantern Emerald Warriors number two. It's number two, and I know we're early on, but I sure am enjoying this book. And this is that when you when you said earlier that, you know, it just didn't seem like people were trying. uh, This is the book I was thinking of because I really really enjoyed uh emerald warriors 100 percent agree book of the week i was very it was very uh i love i love the colors and i think uh-huh. that's probably why you guys get all these green lantern books is because oh yeah a bunch of beautiful colors and artwork yeah in but fact the, book, the, the only the only page of artwork in this book that that annoyed me was the uh the oath page you know when when everybody's you know doing their Brightest day and blackest night. I think that page, you know, it's a pinup page, right? I, I what I wish that they had done, as opposed to them all standing there posing with their lanterns, I think it would have been a more effective page had they been looking at each other. Had they, you know, all three of them, you know, making eye contact with one another, saying the oath not just to themselves but to each other because of you know they're, they're number one they're friends. They're colleagues, and they're going off into the uncharted sectors. Um, I think that would have been a more effective page. Yeah, except they can pose in front of each other. I mean, are they supposed to go into their cool poses, looking at each other? <laughs> well, and you know, Aresia just looks like she's she's got your you know she's looking straight at you, and I hate that. I just absolutely hate that. <laughs> But yeah, other than I didn't that, dislike the book. I liked it. Other than that, I really enjoyed this book. I, I, I think the strongest pages in this book are the first three pages, where you know you, you've got Guy Gardner's internal monologue and and they're teasing what's going to happen, you know. And so you've got this uh, dynamic on the book where you know Kilowog and Aricia want to join him off on this this solo mission that he had planned. He's not brought them up to speed on what he anticipates, what, what he's expecting to do. So you know there's going to be a problem. My concern about this book is as much as I'm enjoying it right now is it's going to have to live up to the promise of the big conflict between Gardner and Hal. And that's what that's kind of where I am right now is I, I, I'm enjoying it a whole lot. But man, it better pay off and that there better be some some big change and lasting change at the end of this story. See, my concern about it is when will the story actually begin? Because we know that they have to make two pit stops before they can even begin on this all-important quest. One to get the Red Lantern juice out of Guy Gardner, mm-hmm. With and the other one to check on um, – what's-his-face? <laughs> <laughs> what, 
What? <laughs> well, you know, he had, they had to go see Lantern Baybar to uh, get the, the Red Lantern juice out. Of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were all thinking it. Gardner just said it. <laughs> see, the, he, and the, hey, Gardner, this is what I would be like if I got a, a ring. I'd be a complete tool. <laughs> would be? He would be. Would be, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> if you had a ring? Yeah. <laughs> Shut up, Wayne, you poozer. You didn't even get this book. <laughs> yeah, Wayne. <laughs> Loser. Now, one of the things that I, that I thought was interesting about the book is that the cover shot doesn't happen until the very last page of the book. Yeah, that seemed like, hey, let's ruin the final page of the book. Yeah, yeah. Now, I'll confess, I had completely forgotten about the cover by the time I got to the end of the book. I was just into the story. Um, and so I was like, ah, forgot she was supposed to be in this book. So... I, I dug it. I dug it. You know, I, I, I see what you're saying, Paul, that you're kind of waiting for it to get going. Um, mm. What I find kind of interesting about Emerald Warriors is the story with Aresia seems like it's probably a little bit more appropriate for a Green Lantern Corps. Well, not only that, the you know they, they, she mentions – what's his face? Um, someone – Sodom Yacht. Sodom Yacht. But the Sodom Yacht storyline, the fact that he's no longer inside the sun, that didn't happen. In Emerald Warriors, that happened in the regular Green Lantern book, didn't it? He fell out of the sun in the first first one. Oh, okay. So that did happen in this yeah. book. Okay, I'm sorry. You know, they kind of blend three together. Green Lantern books. Honestly, they do. Yeah. You know, there's not enough. You know, uh, yeah. Even Green Lantern used to have the distinction of being Hal Jordan's book. Mm-hmm. But at this point, there's so many Green. You know, there's so many different lanterns in that book. You know, the 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 books don't necessarily have distinctive identities for me yet so uh, they do kind of run together well you know one of the problems that i think that the green lantern books have and and you've touched on it there paul um is you've got hal jordan and green lantern and you've got gardner aricia and kilowog over here in emerald warriors and so really with the exception of kyle rayner they've taken all of my favorite lanterns and put them in two other books and you're kind of left with b team over in uh uh, Green Lantern Corps. A bit. Is, is the squirrel on the Green Lantern Corps one? Yeah, Chip. Chip. Chip's dead. No, he was Chip, a Black Lantern. Chip is still out. out there, man. Don't give up hope on Chip. He's still uh, out Chip there. Chip got hit by a truck. A oh, yellow truck. He, the yellow truck? <laughs> you don't remember that? Yeah, there, still... uh, Chip is dead. He got run over by a yellow truck. Stop saying it, Paul. <laughs> you have to have faith. Chip will come back to us. He did as a Black Lantern. This is hate speak. (laughs) (laughs) So, Green Lantern, Emerald Warriors. I think we all liked it. Mm -hmm. Everybody in for three. Except Wayne, who hates good things. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like Guy Gardner. And Guy Gardner doesn't like you, Wayne. So there. Guy Gardner doesn't like anyone. Oh, no. He likes ice. Ice. Ice baby. He doesn't like anyone, and that's why I like him. <laughs> Guy Gardner <laughs> is Tim. <laughs> so, Paul, take us over to The Unwritten. Yeah, The Unwritten is a Vertigo book, so I'm, I'm qualifying it as a DC new release spotlight. Um, I don't typically talk about The Unwritten on the show. I talked about the first, I think, issue or the first trade paperback, and you know, we gave it away. Now, Aaron, how many pages was that Kingdom Coming uh Annual? Uh, uh, 56 pages. And how much was it? It was $900. Um, (laughs) 
It was four ninety nine. All right. So the unwritten number seventeen is a sixty page book for three ninety nine. Fuck you. And uh, I, I, but it, it still has the standard. Well, no, it's it's still a little longer than a normal book. Um, but the way they do it is by making you read it sideways and putting two pages on each page. So essentially, each page is like I said, you know, two separate pages. Not only that, it's a so, choose-your-own-adventure book. So it's smaller artwork. The, the smaller artwork is compressed. Yeah, it's okay. the same, um, you know, like ratio as, yeah. as a normal comic page, you know, just fit twice on the page because they turned it sideways. Mm. And, um, you know, it, it's, it is a choose your own adventure of one of the characters. And basically you choose how her life runs. Um, so you're not necessarily reading all 60 pages in one sitting. You know, you can read it many different ways. Um, there are, you know, there are different pages where you can, you know, choose this option or choose this option. There are options that end the story, you know, that kind of thing. And, you know, I have to say, I absolutely loved this book. I love this series. This was my favorite issue of it. I love the choose your own adventure type stuff. Um, you know, even though the art was smaller, it was still extremely well done. The story's well written. Um, you know, I, I just, I think this book is fantastic. And, you can't really jump in on this one issue, so if you know if the idea interests you, unfortunately, it's not really new reader friendly, despite how cool it is. Um, so you know, if you, you want to start with, if you end your adventure, do you just not buy the next issue? <laughs> you, I guess so, or you start from the beginning and find the path that works. I will say the path that I followed got me all the way to the real end of the book. Um, you know, but there are options that don't. And so, you know, I'm, I, I'll probably read this book a couple of times to try each path. And, you know, that's fun. I, you know, I, I, this is a book where I feel like I got the most bang for my $4. And uh, I don't always feel that with a three ninety nine book, you know, that's a regular size book. So, I, I mean, I highly recommend that you pick up the unwritten. I know I haven't discussed much about the story. Um, but if you're an adult fan of fantasy and Harry Potter type stuff, um, you really should check this out. You know, it's it's a it's an adult take on someone uh, who's affected by a Harry Potter like book series, and uh, I think it's just a fantastic book. Mature readers, of course, because uh, it's Vertigo, but definitely pick it up. Uh, you know, they they do something wacky and cool like this every couple of issues. They had one that was done like a children's storybook. Um, you know, they, they really do experimental stuff in this book. And, you know, we were talking about, you know, just kind of, uh, important things happening on a monthly basis. This book feels, you know, like something's happening every month when you read it. So highly recommend it. Um, more so than any of Wayne's indie spotlight books. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Setting me up there, huh? That's how I roll. Actually, Unwritten does sound really interesting. I don't know how they got up to 17 issues with the Choose Your Own Adventure format, but I'm I'm curious about it. Well, this is the only issue that is a Choose Your Own Adventure. Um, you know, they, they, they have they basically the way Unwritten works is that they have three to six issue storylines, um, and in between those storylines, they have a, a special type issue like this. Um, you know, whether it be this or the one that I mentioned, the, the one that's like a children's book, that kind of thing. Uh, but the first trade paperback is only nine ninety nine, and I think it collects the first five or six issues. Um, 
So I mean, definitely. I I I think you'd actually dig it, Wayne, because you like you know stuff that isn't you know Good. just regular superhero stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, my indie spotlight book couldn't get farther from regular superhero stuff. This is uh, issue two of Morning Glories. I mentioned issue one because I was just looking at it at the uh, on the rack and it looked really interesting. Uh, I mentioned at the end of issue one that you know how many books have a uh, they bring a kid into a school and then they torture their parents. Well, it turns out they torture their parents to death. This is a severely messed up but fun book. There's, I don't know what's going on with it yet. It's basically, like I said, a school where they brought in all these kids and they are torturing them into whatever they want them to be. You know, they fill the room up with water and try to drown them until they'll answer a question. The artwork is beautiful. The story is really good. It's pretty messed up book, and I can't recommend this enough. I am really enjoying this, and it came out of left field because I wasn't expecting the title. I know, <laughs> like I said, <laughs> and, uh, I know I had some. I, I had one. Uh, one of my people I know uh, say that they were enjoying this book too. So. I, you know, and I definitely see why you grabbed it, Wayne, because you know the the Catholic schoolgirl in the first issue on the cover is kind of hot. But Tim, I'm kind of startled by something that you said. You know, somebody that's not on this show. Maybe. Yeah, I, <laughs> I let it slide because Paul admitted to uh, going to other comic websites earlier in the episode, and we didn't call him on that. That was hurtful. Yeah. But you know, well, the- some comic book websites hard to believe. Do update more frequently than ideologyofmadness.com. <laughs> well, I, I know it's unusual. I got, I got called out, so I'm going to scurry back into the shadows. And in the shadows, what do we got here? Ghost Rider. Paul, what's up with that? Get him out of here. <laughs> He's like, hurry up. Let's get to a book that I read. Um, <laughs> Shadowland Ghost Rider. Yeah came out this week, um, written by Rob Williams, who we'll have an interview with uh, eventually on the show, uh, with art by Clayton Crane. <clears throat> now, I've been picking up most of the Shadowland tie-ins, but I was particularly interested in this one uh, because of the Clayton Crane artwork, and not only that, because I was curious as to how Ghost Rider really played into the whole Shadowland thing. You know, we saw him appear in Shadowland issues two and three under the control of the Kingpin. And at the end of issue three, he's riding his motorcycle up Kingpin's tower. That sounded dirty. Um, (laughs) You know, to to confront him. And so we see the resolution of that confrontation in this book. Um, Now, this book I'm a little conflicted on because it seems like a really important book. Um, And I'm, I'm curious to see how it plays out in Shadowland number four in that Ghost Rider goes to, um, you know, confront the Kingpin. Kingpin says, you know, well, hey, you know, don't blame me. Blame the Hand. They're the ones who said they, you know, who have the power to control you. You know, I'm using Hand magic to control you. That so Daredevil. <laughs> <laughs> it's all it's all hand jive. <laughs> so if they Daredevil, give him a job, is it a hand job? You know it. <laughs> I went to work for the Hand. I got a hand job. Just like a part-time hand job from the kingpin. Is that where where, where the associate is who must not be named? Working for the kingpin, getting a hand job. Uh huh. Maybe <laughs> a magic hand job. 
So where I say this book feels important to me is that Ghost Rider goes to Japan and with the help of a host of angels. Uh, and if you've been following the Ghost Rider books from Daniel Way and Jason Aaron, you know, you know that you know, he's, he's kind of in good with the angels now. Um, takes out takes out like all of the hand ninjas in Japan. Um, and that seemed like kind of an important aspect storyline to me. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm curious to see how it plays out in Daredevil and Shadowland, because, I mean, that seems like I said, you know, it seems like a, a big event to, to just be delegated to a tie in that not many people are going to buy. Paul, are um, you saying that Ghost Rider took out Snake Root? You know, it, they, they show all of the hand ninjas being you know demolished including the three guys who you know the, you know responsible for snake root so i'm going to make uh, a prediction for the out. next issue of shadowland my guess is that guess with this tie in and all the other tie ins that you're buying that you're buying once we get to the actual issue of shadowland you're going to think that nothing happened and i'm going to think all this really cool stuff just happened in this issue because you've already seen it in the tie ins and i think that's my biggest complaint about this mini series i'm enjoying it and loving it without getting any of the tie-ins at all. But like last issue, you guys thought nothing happened in it. When I'm thinking all this really cool stuff happened because I didn't get any of the tie-ins. And, and maybe that, maybe we'll see the events played out in a different manner in the pages of Shadowland. Like I said, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it plays out. Um, however, I have to say, this book is gorgeous. The art by Clayton Crane is fantastic. I'm not always the biggest fan of his art. Sometimes I feel it's a little dark. Um, as in hard to understand, not dark like, you know, gritty, um, you know. But the, the, you know, the, they had some beautiful art in this book, uh, so I, I I actually really enjoyed it. Um, like I said, it just it, it led to a little bit of confusion for me because it, I'm just I'm waiting to see. So um, you know, but if you're enjoying Shadowland, you really should pick it up. Uh, you know, not only that, that wasn't the only Shadowland tie-in I bought this week that I enjoyed. Uh, Thunderbolts number 148 came out this week. The second tie, the second crossover that the Thunderbolts have had since starting on the new team. Yeah, out of what three issues on the new team? Five. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Is five. it five? Yeah. Wow. I bought this Shadowland tie-in not because it was a Shadowland tie-in, but because it was the Thunderbolts, a book that I'm I'm rather enjoying. And as far as I can tell, there was no reason in the world to uh, bring the Thunderbolts into this story. Other than the fact that they wanted to include Thunderbolts in the story, essentially, I I, I just I, I I enjoyed the book. Don't get me wrong, I just didn't see a point to it. There was a point. It was on it was it was on the second page. Do you guys see it in the in the baby crib? There's a spider pig. That made my day. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else to say it. it. Just made my day. Personally, I think Thunderbolts probably just isn't selling very well, so they're trying all of these tie-ins to get people into the book, hoping they'll stick around. You know, and that's something we discussed with the last issue that I felt like this book just had the the odds stacked against it by not either starting again with Thunderbolts number one or calling it Dark Avengers Volume Two number one. You know, even New Avengers got a number one. Yeah, you know, and it's the same damn book with the and, same damn creative team. And I am not a fan of renumbering, but I do agree. I think that a, a, a renumbered uh, title for this one would would have served it well, you know, because it was such a significant change from the Dark Rain books. 
you know, I gotta say, I did like this book. There were a lot of cool action scenes. Well, you know, when when mm-hmm. they're overcome by ninjas, especially the crossbones with the machine gun, is like ninjas are falling from the sky. That was pretty cool. And I liked the book. I just I'm I'm a little frustrated that the Thunderbolts keeps getting sucked into some other stories, and I, I'd like them to I'd like to see what Thunderbolts is going to be in on its own versus the you know continued reactionary storytelling of getting involved in other stuff. That's 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 my objection to this story. That's how many events work, Aaron. <laughs> um, and, and Everyone's got to play. <laughs> and I really enjoy uh, Luke Cage, but I think he's a little overexposed. You know, I, I think that we've got too many books that Luke Cage is in. I mean, you know, you got New Avengers, you got Thunderbolts, you've got his his one shots for Shadowland. Um, it just seems like a little bit too much of Luke Cage. You know, the last time Aaron thought somebody was overexposed, he got removed from this podcast. I'm just damn straight. There. Damn straight. Yeah. I won't suffer that shit. I won't. The associate must not be named as breaking continuity. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of overexposed, um, last week I talked about – or a couple weeks ago I talked about Thor for Asgard number one. How I felt like the hammer was – you know, it was always shown like right in his crotch like the hammer was his penis. The hammer is his penis. The hammer is his penis. Uh-huh. Did anyone notice on the cover for Thunderbolts number 148 that a ghost has a sword sticking out of his penis? <laughs> Just the way you phrased that, Paul. I haven't even seen the picture. But Wow. He, he, he has a sword sticking out of his crotch. Am I the only one who noticed this? Yes. You are the only one that focused area on ghost's crotch. I laughed and snorted so hard when you said that that it actually physically hurt my throat. <laughs> like a sword penis would. <laughs> oh, that would hurt something, but it wouldn't be my throat. <laughs> Paul's mom. Uh, but anyway, it's not funny. Thunderbolts one. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, once Aaron picks up on the joke, it's not funny. Yeah. So, Thunderbolts 148. Sword penises and spider pigs. Worth the price of admission. (laughs) Also worth the price of admission is the book that Wayne and I have been talking about for all four issues now. um, Marvel Universe versus The Punisher. It seemed like this book just started last month and all four issues are already out. That's because it just started last month and all four issues are already out. <laughs> that could be why. It was. Uh, it what? had to the, have been bi-weekly. Issue, it had to have been. You know, but the third issue I felt was the weakest of the bunch. I really liked the way it wrapped up. Yeah, the ending was kind of – it's what I would expect. I didn't see any other way to end this. I do wish they would have been more clear on their rules of the infected. Because Spider-Man seemed out of character for having been infected. Kingpin seemed out of character. But it was still good. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you're right. The, the, we, and we discussed this with the last issue. The problem is that the rules weren't clearly defined. and Well, the, the problem is the rules were clearly defined. And then they just ignored them for the sake of the story. Um, you know, but I still enjoyed the story. And, you know... Um, you know, we talked about how Spider-Man has hires the Punisher to save a pregnant Mary Jane from the Kingpin. 
who's also been infected. And, you know, you see how that plays out. And, you know, I had heard that this was the start of something bigger, but this really does feel like a nice self-contained story. I really don't want to see this particular storyline continue. Yeah, I mean, I loved how this wrapped up. You've got what looks like a happy ending for Spider-Man and Mary Jane, and then Punisher puts a bullet in his head. Spoilers on. Um, <laughs> and we spoil every book we talk about. That's right. It, it's it's worth it. Pick it up in trade, uh, or you know, this book will be in the quarter bins probably starting next week. So um, you know, <laughs> pick up all four issues in the quarter bin because you know no one bought this other than Wayne and I. But it, it, it really was well written. You know, it, it's a dark storyline with you know with some dark humor to it. So it's not you know entirely just a a dreary piece of junk. But uh, I, I enjoyed it. I really I really enjoyed all four issues. You know the way they they tied together. Yeah, I just I want them to be done with it. I don't want them to touch back on this. I don't know how it could be good if they return to the storyline. This is too yeah, good of an ending. Well, not only that, the Punisher's pretty much killed everybody. You know, they showed all the heads of all the major heroes um, in the first issue. You know, on stakes. So, uh, what's next? You know, what what where could this story possibly go? But you know, they'll find a way to to milk it to death like Marvel zombies, and like Thor. <laughs> yeah you know uh, Thor First Thunder retelling the origin of Thor uh, came out this week it's a uh, five issue miniseries and you know like I said last week I, I think that the, the reason why we're seeing so many Thor books right now is they're trying to have a whole stack of trades on the shelf for new readers when the movie comes out this issue really rethinks the uh, origin, the origin to Thor, as told in Journey into Mystery, oh so long ago in uh, issue eighty three of Journey into Mystery. I w- one of the things I was curious about, you know, in Thor's origin, he fights the uh, the rock aliens, and I forget what they're called, uh, but the you know they were featured in World War Hulk, and they reference fighting Thor back in that you know uh, Journey into Mystery issue. So you know, I, I figured oh, that they- oh. The, the the rock creatures. Uh, yes. Your mom. Hey. Um, <laughs> um, the uh, yeah. So I knew that they were that they were probably going to have to keep that because they did you know keep it in current continuity in the uh, Greg Pak World War Hulk and uh, Planet Hulk. So sure enough, they did. What they what they did essentially is they extended out into a full length story that first issue of Journey into Mystery. Where they're going to go with the, with the remaining four issues, I don't know because you know this concludes the beating back the uh, the aliens. The art was a little weird in the book. Uh, grainy didn't seem to uh, really work for the story. One of the things they really focus on is uh, Donald Blake's gimpy leg. You know, he's got the 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 leg that's curiously you know uh, underdeveloped. They make sure and put him in short pants so that you can really see that difference. I won't be picking up issues uh, two through five. I, it, it was fine. wasn't a great book. Uh, wasn't something that I need to be spending three ninety nine on. Well, what about your second Thor miniseries that you picked up this week? Thor for Asgard two. Thor for Asgard two is a spectacularly beautiful book and continues to impress. It, what I like is that it really hails back to mythology. The you, you get a more of an indication that the story takes place after uh, Balder 
gives the mistletoe to Hoder and Hoder kills uh, gives after Loki gives the mistletoe to Hoder and Hoder kills uh, Balder and thus the uh, extended winter has occurred. I, I really enjoyed it. It is very much you know a sword and sorcery barbarian kind of book with a big Asgardian gun. <laughs> which is kind of nice. And this is something I've observed that they're doing in, in the Thor books is that um, ever since Siege, they talk about how Asgardians actually have technology, you know, that it is, it is, it is so advanced technology that it looks like magic, but it is actually, you know, uh, hardware and technology and whatnot. And you, so, so you, you wind up seeing in this one shot, this great big, Asgardian gun uh, that's being used, and and I think that's something that Matt Fraction is bringing to the story because I've seen that kind of water dripped. So I'm I'm, I'm kind of curious as to where we're, where that's going to go. But again, this book is just stunningly beautiful. I cannot wait till it gets collected. That kind of echoes basically what I was going to say. Oh really? Um, I love the art. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the art continues to impress in this book. Um. It does. It it didn't feel like a whole heck of a lot happened, other than the, what we knew, which was there were traitors in Asgard. So, right. I'm still on board. I, I was kind of hoping for a little bit more action, but you did get a lot of fight sequence, which is cool. Yeah, I, I love this book. Now, I picked up issue one, um, and I loved the art. So, I, I decided to wait for the trade on this one. Um, I. And I, I feel like this one will read beautifully in trade. Uh, I'm glad they're coming out so quickly. You know, I hope it. You know, I hope it comes out. You know, biweekly or every couple of weeks. And you know, because art like that. You know, usually when you get a book with art like that, it's you know going to be delayed and all that stuff. Yeah. But I, I, I don't think Marvel would release issues one and two two weeks away from each other just to wait six months to release issue three. Yeah. Oh, you know, one of the things that I think is kind of interesting in the book is that we have uh, uh, Odin. In issue one, you know, out there on his, uh, you know, vision quest, his walkabout, whatever you want to call it. And you get two pages of Odin in this book. And, you know, really his dialogue is greetings, wife. And I mean, that's it. I mean, that's the tease is that he runs into this woman in this, you know, far off distant land, walks into, uh, you know, the castle. The woman's there. Greetings, wife. So, you know, is this going to show, uh, you know, which wife is this? Is this, you know, Mother Earth? Is this, you know, somebody that we've not known about? So, yeah, so uh, Odin walks into a castle and uh, it just sounds like the start of a joke to me. <laughs> so, <laughs> the Allfather, Odin One Eye, <laughs> <laughs> walks into a castle and looks at this chick. He's like, Sup. So, um, a priest, a rabbi, and the Allfather. <laughs> Sorry, there's something there. We'll work on that. <laughs> yeah. So, Next so week. It, that's your yeah. assignment. So, in keeping with our, our Thor uh, theme, uh, looking looking at uh, what's coming up next in our list, the Hulk Universe update. I say the nay, <laughs> nay, sir. Nice. Yeah, Tim tore up his Thor book uh, last time we talked, or his Hulk book last time we talked about a Hulk book. But you know what? To replace his one torn up Hulk book, we read two this week. Well, Aaron read two. <laughs> yes, we're we're compressing them so that uh, you know we can stock them up, you know, layer them <laughs> for a bonfire. Well, maybe not. 
I mentioned on last week's show that I wanted to pick up uh, Incredible Hulk's Enigma Force because it had characters from the old Micronauts run. It had Commander Ron, Marionette. It was going to have Bug in it. Um, I was kind of excited to pick up this book, and sure enough, I you know I I really enjoyed the characters. But let me tell you what this book is. This book is Guardians of the Galaxy. This is a, the exact type of story, exact type of uh, of uh, of action that you're getting or we're getting in Guardians of the Galaxy. It very much concerns me that uh, this is going to replace Guardians. Um, I liked a lot of what was going on in the book. I liked how we were hearing the thought process uh, that Commander Ron had. I love the dynamic between him and Marionette. He and Marionette were married in the original Micronaut series and then broke up. And she's a little off. You know, she she's like the crazy ex-girlfriend kind of thing. Uh, you know, she didn't want anybody else to have him, even though she can't. And, of course, there's a, a new girl on board who, uh, you know, she's asking the computer after she's gotten suited up. She's like, yeah, tell me about Commander Ron's uh, marital status. And, and the computer tells her, divorced. And the next thing you know, she unzips her blouse a little bit more. <laughs> so, uh, you know, there's going to be some interesting dynamic there. I can tell you one thing I absolutely hate about the book is the ship design. The ship is uh, is looks stupid. It looks like a big molecule. You know, uh, I, I I hate it. it. Reminds me a little bit of uh, some of the design that I hated on that uh, Andromeda TV show because I couldn't stand that 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 ship design either. I, I like the original HMS Endeavor design that they had in the in the Micronaut series, and and I, I wish that they had had kept that. Uh, this is the HMS Endeavor three, Homeworld Mothership three, and I just hate the design to it. But other than that, I liked it, and I'm, I I'm I, I am kind of interested in how it's going to tie into. I mean, you can see how it's going to tie into Incredible Hulk's because they're chasing you know the the Dark Sun you know Hero Kala. You know, they're chasing him, but um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm liking it, but I'm torn because I feel like they're trying to replace Guardians. You know, somewhere in there, there was an HMS Pinafore uh, musical joke. But you guys weren't pre- quick enough. You weren't let's quick just, enough, Tim. Let's just pretend I made it and it was awesome, okay? I don't have enough imagination to pretend that, Tim. Uh-huh. Thanks, Wayne. Well, what's the HMS Pinafore? I have it's no a, idea either. It's a, it's in a musical. Uh, I don't remember the name. Of all right. Well, Incredible Hulk 613 came out this week. Speaking of fail. <laughs> fail. <Yeah. laughs> um, now, this is the book that uh, part one uh, of the Dark Sun storyline, Tim tore it up on air. And so part two came out this week. And uh, I'm not going to tear it up on air. But, you but if you want it, <laughs> leave a comment <laughs> in the talk. <laughs> now, now, Paul, you know, once again, it, it's it, there's two stories here. There's the the Hero Kala story, and then there's Hulk family, right? Yeah. I liked the Hero Kala story. I thought it was actually well done. Did yeah, you not? Yeah, you know, no, I can't lie. Um, yes, you can. The hero, yeah, I mean, I can. The Hero Kala stuff, I'm actually not disliking. Um. Which is kind of funny because I didn't even bother with that reading that stuff during World War Hulks, mm-hmm. but the Hulk family stuff. Oh, the Hulk I hate family it so stuff, much. Awful. Yeah, 
that I, 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 I just don't, I don't care because these two stories will eventually intersect. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I, at that point, you know, then they'll both suck. Yeah. You know, then we'll only have one shitty story instead of, you know, one shitty story and one, um, you know, not bad story. Yeah. You'll have one full you length know, shitty story as opposed to, you know, half good and half bad. I, I mean, seriously, two issues to resolve one argument with Betty Ross. Yeah. Well, and it's just ridiculous that it all had to go to fists. How how would you expect the Hulk families to to, to you know make decisions? Yeah, by, but... by vote. <laughs> I think they should have a family meeting. Um, it, there 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 was something that I thought was nicely stated in the book. Um, you know, Steve Rogers shows up because Steve Rogers is everywhere. He's the all Steve. Um, <laughs> and you know, he shows up and and you know. He calls him Banner, and you know the Hulk says, "You know, don't call me that. I'm not Banner." And and he's like, uh, "No, it's it's who I see." The Hulk just wants to be left alone, right? Bruce Banner has friends, a family, and he'll do anything he can to protect them. So you know, Steve Rogers is making the observation that we made last time around that this isn't the Hulk. You know that the the Hulk wants to be left alone. You know, Hulk didn't want all these people around him. Um, that said, this story still sucked. God. Yes. I mean, it sucked hard. And it's sad, too, because the, the the artwork is very nice. It would have been nice had there been a story to go along with it. I mean, this was a waste of time. It should not have taken – I really – I thought that the that the conversation with Betty was resolved at the end of the last issue. I didn't see the need for it to continue into you know what we got, a whole bunch of you know, Hulk beating on Betty. Uh, I don't get that. Spousal abuse isn't funny. Well, and and Tim's right. I mean, there is something that rather bothers me about it. You know, that... A little bit. Yeah, I mean, there's something a little creepy about, you know, Hulk isn't going up to her and, like, with his hands open to to hold her and, and, and try and calm her down. He is leaping at her with a great big fist in the air coming at her. He is, you know, this isn't... This isn't playtime. They're not playing with Nerf bats. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if they made made wife beaters in Hulk size, he'd be wearing one. I I, it, I find it rather disturbing. Well, the, at, the, at the end of the at the end of that section, was it cool in the gang? We are family time, though. No. Did they finally resolve <laughs> well, there was it a little bit of hugging. Well, yeah, there was some hugging, and I didn't care for the Hulk's reaction to that. Yeah, Scar whispers to the Hulk that, you know, by the way, I've got a brother, he's alive, he's on his way here to kick your ass. And so there's this very <laughs> tense scene where the Hulk grits his teeth because he's he's leaning down uh, uh, talking to Scar. And so you see his, him make a fist, and then he hits the ground really hard and knocks everybody over by the concussive force. And then you see the Hulk, tears streaming down his eyes as he's clutching his poor wee son to his chest, saying, another son. I just a boy. It, it, I really, really didn't care for it. So it's strange that you've got these these two stories that are so interconnected, and I liked one and couldn't stand the other. And I think that the the, the, the part that I can't stand is exactly what's wrong with the Hulk. And so I'm going to put it to you guys. Yeah, that's right. I'm putting it to you. I'm going to put it to you. What if we were writing the Hulks? You mean the singular Hulk? <laughs> uh, I guess I'll go first. Is that sure. the change you'd make? 
So here's, I mean, unfortunately, you can't just like erase everything because that never happens in comics. Um, you know, where you just have a continuity reboot and just not talk about everything that other that happened. Um, so he wouldn't you know, make so a deal with Mephisto either. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was wearing a condom. That that, that would be a book I'd buy. What if Hulk yeah. wore a condom? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Or, or you know, if he just you know, you could have what if Hulk wore a condom? What if Hulk used the rhythm method? You know, what if <laughs> you know, you could have just all kinds of different uh, what if contraceptive uh, family planning schemes. I like it. Well, you know what? We'll just call this segment "What if Hulk pulled out?" Yeah. What if what if Hulk shot it on her belly? What if Hulk put it in her ass? How about that one? <laughs> 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 uh, practice safe sex. You, Wolverine, Batman, all you guys need to start wearing some condoms. <laughs> or put it in her ass. <laughs> or that. Show title, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> because Hulk didn't practice safe sex, you gotta resolve that storyline. So, if I were writing the Hulk, I have, you know, the, the problem with the Hulk is that literally it's been going through the same storyline. I mean, different, haven't, you know, different pieces of the same storyline, but it's basically, you know, been doing this, you know, they've been having the story since Planet Hulk. Right. You know, so what are we talking, four or five years now? Yeah, and the reason there, for that no. is that up to that point, there hadn't been a decent Hulk story in 10 years. Yeah, and you know I, I'm okay with ongoing storylines to a certain extent. You know, we've got it going on in Green Lantern. We had it in, you know, I, I was about to say we had it in Thor, but it just felt like a couple of years because of all the delays. Right. You know, but it, it, you know, long form superhero storytelling doesn't happen very much. I, I guess it's happening right now in Batman with Grant Morrison stuff. You know, if I were writing the Hulk, first thing I'd do, I like the way the Hulk himself is now. I like Smart Hulk. I prefer Smart Hulk. So what I would have do, what I what I would have do, because that makes huh. sense. What I would do is, you know, first things first. You know, Marvel has recently released a teaser image of the new Illuminati. You know, the new Illuminati is Iron Man, Fantastic Four, Professor X, uh, Black Bolt's wife. I guess her name is Medusa, and Doctor right. Strange. So it's basically the same people except without Black Bolt and Namor. So. What I would do, honestly, is I'd have Bruce Banner as one of the Illuminati. He is there to keep an eye on them to make sure they don't do another dick up, like sending the Hulk into space in the first place. And that was a nice moment in the, in the, in the story this week where you know Steve Rogers like, hey, could you hop on this shuttle and go out to space and check on your, your son that's coming to kick our asses? And Hulk's like, you want me to get on a ship so you can shoot me into space? I thought that was a, a nice moment. Yeah. You know, so – Having Bruce Banner on the Illuminati, I think you know. I think he can be there from a, a from a I need to keep you guys honest angle. So that would be the first change I'd make to the Hulk is have him on the Illuminati. And honestly, one of his first decisions, which is kind of which would be ironic, is sending the rest of the Hulks into space. Send them all off to a planet where they can be happy. Um, and that way you get rid of all of the other Hulks from the Marvel Universe. You know, they go on a planet, they're happy, they have a happy ending, whatever. Either that or he, figure, he figures out a way to cure the other Hulks 
but his you know his gamma levels are too high so he can't be cured or something like that some way to get rid of all of the other hulks then i'd have the actual hulk more ingrained in the marvel universe um you know yeah he was there with world war hulks a little bit and especially in world war hulk but you know not so much from the villain angle but from a hero angle i would have him join the avengers team actually probably the avengers which is the one they're having Red Hulk join, which doesn't really make sense to me. You know, Marvel has always, you know, has been promoting their trinity of characters as Captain America, Iron Man, and Thor. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've I've always felt like the real trinity for Marvel should be Iron Man, Thor, and Hulk, because those were the original Avengers. Mm-hmm. You know, Captain America wasn't an original Avenger. So I mean, but you know, they, the problem is they, you know, they they don't play up the Hulk as that type of hero. And I think they need to bring him back as that type of hero as, you know, as maybe the leader of the Avengers, you know, maybe Steve Rogers goes and does something else. Well, no, the Avengers doesn't have Steve Rogers on it anyway. Mm-hmm. So who leads that team? Is that, um, is that Iron Man? Does yeah, Iron I guess Man it is. is. I don't know. Yeah, I could either him or, uh, yeah. Uh, let me look at one of the ones. Let me look at what I have in my giveaway stack. <laughs> the uh, pile of shit comics that Paul gives away. Yeah, to those who comment on the show. Yeah, uh, no, it's um, what's your favorite? Is it Victoria Hand? Not Victoria Hand. Um, Maria Hill. I mean, I guess she's kind of considered the team leader. Huh. I mean, I'm guessing either her or Iron Man. But you know, neither one of them, I, I you know, I think would hold a candle to an, a smart Bruce Banner or Hulk leading a team. You know, I, I'd like to see the Hulk become one of the main Marvel characters again, you know, not just doing his own epic storyline in space right. nonsense, you know, get rid of all his kids, you know, he learned his lesson, he's either going to stop having sex or, yeah. or wear a condom or put it in her ass, um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the point is, you know, I, I want to see him more in a superheroic setting and less in this overarching epic story type stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I liked World War Hulk so much is because you had super villains like Dr. Doom and all that, you know, and then literally the issue after all that ended, it's back to the epic crap that I, you know, that I dropped out of Hulk to, in the first place for. You know, the best part of that thing was Paul was the Hulk wildlife refugee camp that you were trying to set up where <laughs> Hulks can run free and not have to worry about, uh, you know, big game hunters. Yeah. It's no, it's a holy reserve. Red Hulk. That was cute. It's and much nicer than what I have planned for. And Wayne, uh, what do you have planned? Death. Basically, what I want to see, <laughs> what I want to see is I want to see an angry Hulk. I want to see a Bruce Banner that is trying to cure Hulk again because Hulk is pissed off. Um, I want to see the storyline basically start off with either the Maestro coming back in time in Bruce Banner form, basically, or maybe just dreams with that Bruce Banner's having of him. Could be someone messing with his mind. But I want him. I want them to bring back the concept of Maestro, and I want Banner to be worried about this is what Hulk's going to turn into. I want all of these additional Hulks pretty much dead. Uh, if not dead, at very least depowered and out of the book. The feel I'm looking for is I want that feel that you have with the Hulk sometimes where when he shows up, everyone is wetting their pants. Mm-hmm. 
I want the villains, even the heroes, because they don't know what he's going to do at that point. When the Hulk shows up, they're scared and wetting themselves because it's the Hulk. You know, and basically what I'm looking for is I want him to go down that darker path again for a while where when he when he turns into the Hulk, he is angry. He has had a major loss. And I I don't want the overly intelligent Hulk that we that we're going to see for a little while. I mean, I do like that Hulk, but to fix what's happened, I think we need to go in the other direction first before we come back to intelligent Hulk. And that's kind of this big story arc I would like to see is, you know, big angry Hulk still, you know, still a hero, still fighting supervillains. But if anybody looks at him the wrong way, he's lashing out. He's, you know, he's, he hasn't doesn't cross that line. He doesn't kill, but he's getting darker and darker. And Banner is worried about it. And Banner is trying to cure himself. And the maestro starts playing into it again about this is a possibility for Hulk to become this. And the other heroes start getting worried about it. But most don't want to take him on because he's the Hulk, and they're wet themselves when they try. There's a lot of wetting themselves in your. <laughs> That's the point. I mean, yeah. the Hulk. The Hulk should be the strongest one there is. That's his gimmick. That's his thing. Yeah. And the angrier he gets, the stronger he gets. And they've gotten away from people being afraid of him. Yeah. The bad guy should be afraid to fight the Hulk because he's just that powerful. The hero shouldn't be lining up to take on the Hulk because he's just that powerful. Even without meaning to, he could hurt them permanently. Just because he's that powerful. And that's what I like about the Hulk. I like that the, the that when done right, the Hulk is, you know, an engine of destruction. You know, there there, there is no one stronger than the Hulk. And everybody cowers. And, and the only folks who can go toe-to-toe with him are like Thor, a god. And even that's given Thor a run for his money. I, I, you, you touched on what I like so much about the Hulk – is that the matter Hulk gets, the stronger Hulk gets. And I think that is particularly successful in the books when the artist shows, you know, the growth and shows, you know, you know, how Hulk's getting more pissed off and he's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and more monstrous. And, you know, I, I love those kinds of scenes. Now, were I writing the Hulk, I would have two Hulk titles. I would have the core title, which would be The Incredible Hulk, and it would be stories uh, that I would start with a return to uh, Smart Hulk. And, you know, Paul, you were saying, you know, that you like Smart Hulk and you like the Hulk that's that's being portrayed uh, mm-hmm. in The Incredible Hulks. I don't think that's our the smartest Hulk we've had. I like the Smart Hulk that we had back in the Pantheon when Peter David was writing the book. Um, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't feel like the, the Hulk that we're getting right now is at that same level. I like Professor Hulk, and this is more Banner Hulk that we're getting in uh, in uh, the current book. So I want somebody who is crazy smart, being the Hulk, a little bit GQ, wearing his glasses. <laughs> you know, that's that's the guy that I like, and that would be my my first story arc. Would be him doing a lot of things that Paul says. You know, maybe leading the Avengers. Or, or you know, returning to the pantheon and setting all that crap straight, but I would get rid of this Hulk supporting cast that we have. You know, you wouldn't have Betty Hulk, and you wouldn't have you know Red Hulk, and and uh, uh, a bomb would die, 
a bomb would die or be depowered. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to kill Rick Jones because he's such a staple, but I, I cannot stand the a bomb character. And I really like Rick Jones. And I think that, that making Rick a gamma monster has really steered away from the core concept that you have for Rick Jones. You know, Rick is supposed to be the Hulk's connection to the world. And I, I think, I think if you don't have him, you've got to have somebody else. And really, why do we need another Rick? Let's just ha- let's just use the Rick we've got. Um, so I would do it. I would make a change there. A bomb would go away, and you'd have a return to Rick Jones. I think, you know, Paul. I think you're onto something. I think that that you know, you send your surviving Gamma Monster cast off somewhere else, far away. Um, I don't think you there ought to be tie-ins. Tie-ins should be rare. And and, and I go back to the days when you had the original She-Hulk title and the Hulk title. You very rarely had crossovers there. You know, even though Jen Walters was Bruce Banner's cousin, you know, Bruce Banner came and gave her a blood transfusion back in, you know, Sensational She-Hulk number one. And then they rarely crossed over after that. I mean, Secret Wars and a couple of other things. And, and you know, up until recently, they didn't see a whole lot of each other. Um, and that's how I would keep it. I can live with a She-Hulk title. I love the Jen Walters character. But Betty Hulk has got to go. Um, I like Betty as a character. I'm fine with de-Hulkifying her, but uh, Lady Sh- Lady uh, Red Hulk has got to go. <laughs> uh, and I'm, I'm fine with killing that character, but she's got to go. Um, I, I like Scar, and I like Hirokawa. They need to not be on Earth. And I, I, I have enjoyed, as I've stated before, the space stories around the Hulk. But... In the in the the core title that I would have, you'd have you know Smart Hulk doing his thing, and after a period of time, he would move into another version of the Hulk, and you know maybe more rampagey and whatnot. The second Hulk book I would have would be the Hulks through history <laughs> kind of thing. So you could have one 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 month you could have a rampaging Hulk story, you could have a Smart Hulk story, you could have a Gray Hulk story, you could have all these different Hulk stories. You could focus on supporting cast. I think there's a lot of opportunities there so that you're getting the flavor, and it could be one-shots, miniseries, etc. That's how I would structure it. But I want to get back to the Hulk being alone, and that my my story where you would have Professor Hulk would end awfully, because the Hulk is ultimately a tragic character. The Hulk should never have a happy ending. It should be like kind of like what we talked about with, with Ron Mars is when he has that that beautiful happy moment is when somebody comes in and you know kills his girlfriend, you know I mean it, that that's the way it ought to be you know that's when you know he finds out cables out <laughs> you know it should be tragic tragic Paul <laughs> and then you get back to Hulk being alone you know Hulk that that is I like it when Hulk is an outcast. You know, I like the, 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 the glimpses where we get to see the uh, smart Hulk for a little while making things work. But again, ultimately a tragic character. He is profoundly flawed, and we should see that. It shouldn't be that somebody screwed over the Hulk. It should be you know Bruce Banner or the Hulk's decision that, that leads to his tragedy. He has within him the seeds to his own destruction. And so that's what we need to see. And that's what makes him alone again and seeking that aloneness. You know, some of my favorite Hulk stories were when Hulk is just wandering the world. 
you know, trying to find a place, joining a circus. Not that I want to see him join a circus, but, you know, you know, being out there, you know, in the middle of the ocean, you know, trying to to live on on Monster Island or something. I just those are the stories that I like. I like it when Hulk is just trying to be alone, fighting the army. <laughs> you know, that's what I enjoy. Yeah, I have to agree about She-Hulk, too. I'm a big fan of that character, and she's one of the few that I wouldn't have killed off out of it. And I like the idea of that uh, Hulk Through the Ages book. It kind of sounds like uh, Legends of the Dark Knight, only for Hulk. Yeah. So, Aaron, you had a lot of ideas for Rick Jones. Would you say you were on a Rick roll? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Jim, do me a favor and go beat yourself for that comment. (laughs) After the show. Never going to give him up, Rick. No, nope, never. Gonna. <laughs> uh, this conversation is taking me to a very dark place. Let me just tell you now. It's getting me angry. Uh-oh. Here comes Rim. like me when I'm angry. Well, I suppose I'm always angry. So you probably do like me when I'm angry. Otherwise, you'd have booted me by now. Um, What would I do with Hulk? Okay, so let's go back to the last Hulk that I liked, which was Hulk 611 which was the story between um, Bruce Banner slash Hulk and Scar. I want more of that. I want more of, of the, of the Bruce Banner Hulk character exploring his past about his abusive father and trying to figure out how to be a father to Scar. Everybody else on that title can, can, can go up, piss up a rope as far as I'm concerned. That's what I want to see out of incredible Hulks. I want to see a father son book for a while. You know, and if it comes down to when Hero Kala shows up, you know, they can cross that bridge together. I think that would be a cool story. Um, I, and you know what? Honestly, I'm okay with Red Hulk being on the Hulk book. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen enough of it to say that it's bad or good. But I think that keeping Red Hulk the loner who is, you know, trying to find a place and being angry and you know raging against the machine would would call back to older Hulk stories that you know might uh, satisfy some people who want the Savage Hulk. So you know, and honestly, I, I, I obviously I don't have as many ideas as Aaron does, but um, that's what I would want to see out of a Hulk book as a father son Scar book. And I'd be down for that. I'd be down for that. I mean, I think I think there's room for that story. Yeah, I think it would be interesting to have the, a Red Hulk story where he's dealing with the fact that he's turned himself into what he's hated all this time and actually see him dealing with the consequences of it. But I don't think they're going to do that. See, I just have a have a problem with it. It seems to me like they, they've moved away from what makes Hulk Hulk. He's had these. He's had these nemeses in Thunderbolt Ross, you know, now Ross has become essentially exactly what you're saying, Wayne. He's become what he's always hated. And it, who do you have that serves as Hulk's foil now? It just, it, it seems like we've completely re-envisioned, you know, when you think about Spider-Man, Spider-Man is, uh, a guy who's, you know, got great responsibility. He's a guy who, who with that responsibility carries it all on his shoulders and he never can seem to get it right. Hulk's core concept has been that Hulk's the strongest one there is, that he wants to be left alone, you know, and he's an outcast from the world. Well, we've completely abandoned all three of those. 
Yeah, you're right to a certain extent. I mean, I, I, no, I'm I, right one hundred percent. No, not to a certain yeah. extent. What if that extent was a hundred percent? I see. You know, you're hedging there. You're one to say, hey, you're you're kind of right. No, no, it's a, it, I'm all right. Personally, I think they're just jealous of all the colors in Green Lantern. They've got a blue A-bomb now. They've got a red Hulk. They've got green Hulks. We're just waiting for the orange and all the other colors to show up now. The pink Hulk. The Polk. Polk. Well, that rock guy is kind of orange. That's true. The rock guy whose name I forget every time we talk about him. The guy doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you know, I, I, I want to like the Hulk again. You know, I, I the Hulk is one of the one of the heroes that got me into comics. I I I have such fond memories of the books I used to read, and I'm not saying that the books can't advance. I'm just saying that when you've got a core concept to the character and you've abandoned that, what have what have you got? You know, I, I'm I am not impressed with the Hulk we're getting. Let me just say, if the Hulk Wildlife Refugee issue one came out, I would let Hulk hurt me again. Disappoint me. That title would be funny. You know, I'm very excited that next week's books include Hulk number 25, which is the Jeff Parker, uh, Gabriel Hardman first issue of the Red Hulk storyline. I, even though I've dropped Incredible Hulks, I'm I'm going to give this one a shot. You know, yeah. Next week is a a big week for new creative teams, and you know, with Hulk 25 and Thor 615, the Mafraction Pascal Ferry. Yeah, Thor. I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be my big return to Thor. And uh, I'm also looking forward to, even though I may end up bad, the origin of the ultimate Thor when that starts coming out. You know, Wayne, I'm not sure there's room on the Thor bandwagon with the rest of us. I'm just going to let you know. <laughs> That's okay. I'll kick you off. <laughs> I have to make room. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of decent books coming out next week or books that we hope will be decent. I see that uh, Secret Adventures <laughs> number five is out next week. Um, I, I have no expectation that that will be good, nor will it be a book I'm picking up. But uh, Paul, I, I see you have a uh, you have a Shadowland book or two next week. Yeah, Shadowland Moon Knight. I'll be picking up. I won't be picking up Shadowland Power Man. Um, you know, there's a new issue of the Flash. Flash number five. I'm actually very excited about that. Is Flash out next week? Uh, maybe. Oh yeah, you're sure right. There it is. Wow, look at that. Anybody Excellent. picking up Avengers number five? No. No. <laughs> I, I I might pick it up and then use it to put out a fire, but I'm not going <laughs> to buy it. Now, you know, you guys who have not been reading Thor the Mighty Avenger, they are coming out with the double rainbow issue that uh, combines uh, issues one and two because they've both been sold out. So <laughs> taste double the rainbow. rainbow. What does it mean? <laughs> I refuse to buy it just because it has double rainbow in its name. <laughs> Ultimate Comics Mystery Number Three, Wayne. Oh yeah, I'm on board. I, I hope this isn't my grand exit from the Thor books next week. Yeah, I hope so as well. Now I will say that the that DC has something coming out that rather excites me. The World's Greatest Superheroes hardcover is coming out, which combines the uh, oversized books that Paul Dini and Alex Ross did, you know, Superman, Peace on Earth, Batman, War and Crime, Shazam, Power of Hope, Wonder Woman, Spirit of Truth, JLA Secret Origins, and JLA Liberty and Justice. And when I saw that was coming out, I was like, holy crap, how much is that going to be? 400 pages of beautiful Alex Ross uh, artwork with Paul Dini writing, 29 bucks. And those were some incredible stories, very powerful. 
And that is not a bad price for, for a hardcover for all of that. And it's an oversized hardcover. Uh, I am stoked. I, I, I think I, I, I read all of those, but some of them I got from the library because, you know, I didn't like the format, you know, because it's hard to store. But uh, I'm, I'm excited about the oversized hardcover. You know, and I don't think I bought all of them either. I don't think I bought the the JSA one. Yeah. I definitely got the majors, the Superman, the Batman, the Wonder Woman. Some good stuff coming out next week, hopefully. Darkwing Duck number four. Oh, Lord. Hell to the yes. <laughs> Book of the week. Tim and I only hear a ridiculous book that Paul and Wayne are reading. That's how that comes Red across. Rocket. <laughs> you know, just because I'm reading that book, I put Darkwing Duck on my Netflix queue and I've been getting the CDs and I'm watching them or the DVDs and I'm watching them and it holds up. It's still that good. I, I don't have the energy for a Wayne's awkward confession, Aaron. Can you just drop it in? Sure. Yeah. There is nothing awkward about liking Darkwing Duck. There's something awkward about not acknowledging the awesomeness that is Darkwing Duck. Wow. Okay, I'm not going to go that far with you, man. (laughs) I'll have a sip of the Kool-Aid. Whatever, whatever, Paul. You're in Arkham Asylum with Wayne. (laughs) Put you in. Sex with a goat is okay for you, but going that extra step and saying Darkwing Duck is awesome, that's not enough for you. That's where you draw the line. You know, I will have sex with a goat, but I will not fall in love with a goat. That's what I'm saying here. He's not going to call the goat the next day, Wayne. (laughs) Well, on that note, (laughs) on that bit of information from Paul, (laughs) we bid you adieu. Bye. Bye. Hi, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.